Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Hope you can hear me. I'm Jack Chu. We come here live 12.30 till 1 o'clock on weekdays and uh, really looking forward to this episode because I think it's more controversial than it looks, I think. I'm going I'm to make a claim that MSK clinicians are somewhat uniquely positioned to be very good strategists and non-clinical, less clinical thinkers that I think some of the skill set that we've had to employ, especially those of us that are hopefully evidence-informed and decent and apply a reasoning-based model, I think there's a case to be made for us then being very versatile across society, across other projects, across, as I say, non-clinical and less clinical aspects of the job too. Um, and I'm going to make that case as strongly as I can. But the reason I say it's controversial is because I think there is something that's a bit lofty and a bit arrogant potentially of that. And I think it could be that Actually, no, that's just that a certain section of people are like that and they just happen to be MSK clinicians and therefore, yeah, whatever. But I, I want to know your thoughts on it. I also want to know your thoughts as to whether or not you can hear me. So please let me know and make sure you tell me uh, loud and clear as to whether or not there's any tech issues this morning. Morning, afternoon. Um, but I've had, a, I've had a really good morning. I've got a really good afternoon, exciting afternoon plan. And it's one of them days where it really is a bit of everything. And, and that's what's made me want to speak to this. It's been on the agenda for a little while. I've wanted to talk about it. But today is just a perfect example of this, whereby it's just been back to back with interesting meetings and consultations and a bit of clinical, bit of non-clinical, bit of operational, bit of policy, MSKR hat on it for a bit. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that never once do I not, you in any of those contexts, do I not, apply some of the the skill set that I've acquired through clinical practice and so I want to make that case with you see whether or not you agree thank you for those that have already told me that you can hear um, that is really helpful I do get paranoid about that so thanks for joining and uh, I hope you can participate I'm going to ask you a question directly in a second um, which I'd love your thoughts on if you are tuning in live. But also, of course, thanks for those that participate after the fact. Info at physio-matters.com, the easiest way to reach us and the team if you want to suggest topics or contribute uh, to the conversation. Or feel free to comment after the fact uh, on the public feeds of which you find the recorded uh, podcast that we do, these live streams. Now, Alistair Beverly has said, hashtag team public health. I think we're going to see more and more hashtags of these sorts. Therapy live. Um, sort of teasers to the roster got announced this week. And then on Friday, the whole program is out and you'll see side by side, 10 streams of education, what is going on at what time and you're going to be able to plan your day. If you haven't got your ticket already, then you're one of very, very few that haven't. Um, so please do uh, snap them up and don't miss out. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be some uh, healthy banter and competition for who uh, vies for the most eyeballs across the streams and uh, the public health stream is looking fantastic and uh, no small part due to Alistair's ever presence uh, across across that stream. He's going to be he's going to be absolutely brilliant as, as all of them are, but it's highly competitive, uh, highly competitive for, for uh, an audience. So, so, yeah, my direct question to you then is, do you think that MSK clinicians, quality MSK clinicians, so I'm talking about evidence-informed, reasoning over recipes style clinicians, of which you know I'm passionately about, about promoting, also try and back myself to be one, you know, someone that, that, that is coming at things in a thoughtful analysis rather than almost categorically thinking about cookie-cutter approaches to people's care, those sorts of, those sorts of clinicians, I think they make for good thinkers. I think they make for good strategists. I think they make good good policy makers, but I would say that, wouldn't I? Okay, I'm trying to make a case for me and mine um, and, and my core audience and stuff. But I wondered if you agree with that. And if 
you do. Is that just coincidence, though? Is is there is there a there there? Because um, I've heard some people have would counter that and have counted that when I've floated it before over a beer or two. I've said now, to be honest, some of the best clinicians just you know they need to stay in the lane that's where they're at their best because that's where they're most passionate and anything that they deviate from it's just it ends up being chaotic and stuff like that so i really find that to be interesting i'd, I'd love your thoughts on now i'm going to close the comments for a second and then come back to them so please answer that question if you can do you agree with that broad premise and if so why if not why you know just just yeah indulge me that if you would you know the uh repurposing brilliant clinicians into other things is that decent so let me let me sort of go into why i think that so i think contemporary msk practice done well done properly is at the heart of it a thorough analysis of a problem so you sit across from a patient you sit next to a patient sit however you want to with a patient and together you discuss an issue. Oh god, I've got pop-ups coming up here. Then turn my emails off. That's a rookie mistake. I'm gonna get distracted there. Right, WhatsApp's off, emails off, right. Um, so yeah, you're sat with someone and you are thoroughly analyzing a problem, right? You know what you know, they want to know what they know, and you converse to try and get what I always describe as all the cards on the table. What are the factors affecting their symptoms what are the factors affecting their condition what are the factors affecting their lives that might then interfere with compliance with a program how can you therefore go through a true shared decision making process to then come to a conclusion over what it is but also what to do about it and this this there's this diagnostic element that comes from that as well right be that a working diagnosis be that a general hypothesis be that an abc be that a, a window or an umbrella diagnosis I don't care but you you're coming up with some form of diagnosis you're trying to identify the problem clinically, right? Regardless of what body part it is. That's good MSK practice for me. Rather than what I would say, you know, counter to, to what I consider to be poor or dated MSK practice, although I can understand why people fall into this, but sometimes it's, it's just pure pattern recognition. And then you're trying to work out what the person is saying that would mean that Oh, that's OA knee. Oh, that's patellofemoral pain. Oh, that's an impingement. If you even if you were to use that terminology, oh, they've just got a whiplash-associated disorder and stuff. And it's like, well, what do we do with them? Rather than it being a more contemporary approach, would be what is the complex mosaic that makes up this person, and how is it individual to them on diagnosis? Which is not disembodied from the next step, but I'm just meaning that that is the analysis that's going on in that in that first instance with assessment. And then if you had to then say it's, it, it's another thing, but it you know, continues naturally on from it, is then you're solving that very problem. So you've got a thorough analysis that's individualized, and then you are together with the patient, truly collaboratively, understanding what the factors affecting those things are, also are the factors affecting their, com their, their ability to comply with and en engage with and aspire to a solution and a treatment plan and a care model that would then get them better. And that is that you've analyzed the problem thoroughly and then you've aspired to a bespoke and tailored solution to that problem. That is what is diagnostics and assessment and that is what is treatment and management. And so that is quality MSK practice in my opinion. And I think that then what, what interests me is that, that that approach I think lends itself to a whole host of other things. 
So all these other meetings I've taken today and all, all the other things I do in my, my weird and wonderful role, I just can't think it's so dissimilar. And I can't think that my pursuit of trying to better myself in that direction clinically, as well as the fact that that being at the heart of everything, the center of the bullseye, if you listened on Monday, I described the woman in Coventry for those that hadn't heard it before. My analogy as to what we're trying to do is, uh, in a nutshell, make the woman in Coventry who's a made up person in 10 years time that presents with knee pain of some sort. How do we make sure the care delivery is better for her um, and what what has emerged in, in my work and my life uh, to try and aspire to that, right? So, but why I'm bringing that up now is to say what I think aspiring to solve those things and problems are clinically, I think is transferable across the piece. So for example, I'm, a, I'm an interview, a podcast interviewer, right? You see, you see across from someone, I know what I know and they know what they know. And we analyze a problem together and we ask questions of each other and propose things and, and pontificate them. And then inevitably, you know, not, not in two sections, but generally speaking, you have this back and forth between analysis, proposition, a solution. Analysis, proposition, a solution. You know, what, what, could, what, what is it and what could we do about it if it is indeed a problem? And then you have sometimes that opportunity to sort of reflect, I think it's less of a problem than people say, or, or it's more of an issue than people are giving it credit for. And so you end up with that interesting balance there. But generally speaking, I don't sit, I, I struggle to find there being massive detachment from so, you know, when I'm sat across from a patient, I'm sat across from a clinician, really. I've always said for a while, it's like you just, you're going about sort of solving this together, you know, and, and analyzing it thoroughly. Now that then continues. So let me just give another example is that when you're then invited to say a working group to solve some sort of complex policy problems, like say, say it's a governance thing or there's a standards, uh, you know, I, I won't go into the detail, but I was, I was fortunate enough to be on a, a real who's who list this morning and like a, a policy discussion it was really interesting about about care quality standards uh, for ms care brilliant piece of work excited to contribute to it and stuff to see where it goes it's got its challenges but you know really really uh, long awaited and um but what are we doing right well we, we, we're analyzing a problem as carefully as we can getting all the voices in and and you know again you've got um some people making a case that some things are underrepresented and other people saying, I think that's probably over egging it. And, and then you, and then you, you're trying to refine it and then someone's got to then make the, make the case. Right. So this is what we think is sort of a, as close to a diagnosis as we can. And then everyone that aspires to solve that problem, right? What, what is it that we want to achieve? What is it? What are the goals? What are the, and I just, I just step back and I just think like the, and, and so often these are, these are just the, the brilliant clinicians and they're solving problems like clinicians. I just think that that is so relevant. I just think, and I think that goes a step further. And so I think that, that, that channeling those energies into policy implementation and stuff is brilliant. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't get succumbed into the same mistakes we can sometimes make clinically, like you can overassess and, and paralysis by analysis and not try stuff. I think there is sometimes a dearth of creativity in clinical practice. And I think that sometimes plays out in those contexts that I've just described, where in education, or in policy making, I think sometimes we end up, yeah, just making sure we're almost too thorough and you miss your moment or you miss the incredible information that can be got from trying something, you know, and that's something we kind of get better at clinically uh, these days, I think, is that you, you know, you, 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 you try something. And I don't mean like test, repeat, um, you know, try something and then, and then redo a given test. I think that that's been quite misleading historically. So I'm not saying like you wiggle the joint. And then, oh, look, it moves better. Therefore, we must have influenced it in a really meaningful structural way and stuff. I think that's sometimes been a misnomer. But what I mean is that you you go away, you tr try this, 
get the balance right, get the dosage right for a period of time, come back and we'll have a load your body in this way, move your body in this way, avoid that thing and, and let's see where you are in a few weeks' time. That's a hugely powerful assessment-related information, even though it's sort of erring on the side of treatment. Um, I think that's one of the things we need to make sure we do educationally and in policy. It's like, well, why, why are we not trying it? Why are we not bringing something forward as a pilot study ahead of time, even though if it might be ahead of the main project? We need to try some stuff. We need to put feelers out. We need to do some market research. I think that sort of, sort of could be done better. But what are we doing again? We, we're analyzing things thoroughly and then creating bespoke, tailored solutions to the problem. And if your diagnosis is naff, then yeah, you might end up helping something by accident. You know, broken clock is right twice a day. You'll have heard that expression before, including from me. But if your diagnosis is accurate, your analysis is accurate, then inevitably there's a more refined solution that can be created. Now, if you're then someone that is trying to aspire that to be a cookie cutter approach, right? And you're in that either clinical or operational mindset that it's just like, right, we have tailored approaches are bloody complicated. And so instead it's like, how can we recognize patterns and then just, you know, this solution has worked for us before and it sounds sort of similar. And so we'll do that, right? It's lazy, um, understandable in some ways, but it's the McDonald's idea. And, oh, I always miss that mcdonaldsization i can't say it but yeah making things mcdonald's like let's say and and franchising and, and stuff like that where you kind of got this um mixing my metaphors now but yeah cookie cutter approach or a franchising way so like you can can you constrain the product so that it's consistent but it's consistently samey and, and 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 therefore doesn't necessarily tailor things and it'll do but it's never going to be elite it's never going to be the best it's just going to be something that is dependable now we want to be dependable so we can't always be too creative and too scatty and stuff like that but i just think there's something about it something about msk practice and i think the youth of it i think the fact that we've still got so many things unknown you know this you people could make a case of that that's just that's just meant you're just describing medical professionals jack i've heard that before but i think some to some degree pharmacists and, and doctors and even nurses to some extent there's just like a a, a longer legacy as well as the more obvious contained style of practice so i'm making a case that it's this you know contemporary clinicians and that's of all stripes in msk that are then recognizing that ah oh, so many of the foundations that we used to rely upon have ended up being disrupted some of the things we used to think we could do with our hands or with needles or with tape or with exercise it's not correcting what we thought we were doing and so instead that uneasy that, that uneasy foundation right Let's use that as an analogy, right? The, the foundations being so unstable and wobbly and moving, malleable, has made us better at balancing, better at adapting, better than dancing around those things. I, I don't know if I'm abusing these metaphors now, so I will shut up and bring the comments back up in a second. But that, admittedly, I think, transcends all of the different disciplines of which I've ended up working in. And I think that the best people at it, um, certainly, because I'm such a generalist, so I like end up uh, meeting with meeting with clinicians and, and educators, and then and students, and all sorts of cool stuff, stuff that I've done. And today's been a good example of it. Or when I'm um, consulting with a brand about marketing, or I'm, I'm asked to sort of uh, help with help with other other problems. It's like the best people in each of those places. It's so good to be inspired by them. And I just feel like when I look into what it is, what is it that you're doing there that's so special? And I think often in this space, it's because they're going about things with that clinical analytic mindset that doesn't narrow things. It only broadens them. And then they, they, they come up with a bespoke solution because they've listened carefully. And that I think is cool. And it also bodes well for 
our ability to influence beyond the clinic room. You know, I think that's one of the things that's really quite cool on this is if I'm anywhere near right, then I hope that that, that will mean that we can exert our influence more, um, you know, more across the piece, really, in, in terms of even the even the large P politics, I would say. You know, there are some physio and osteopath MPs and aspiring councillors and all sorts of stuff like that, which just doesn't surprise me. Um, no, you're going to have MPs from all walks of life and stuff, but it's just that I think there's something to be said for, for our the way in which not only we were trained, but also what we've had to do in the current landscape and the current evidence and things like that. So let's have a little look what you guys think. Really appreciate it. So for those that are just tuning in, my question that I asked of you is whether or not you think there is something to be said for quality MSK clinicians, them being good strategists, thinkers, you know, generally in terms of the, the non-clinical, less clinical aspects, are they well suited to it? And if if you agree that they are, but only in certain circumstances, is that just coincidence? Is that because some people are good at that? Is your experience that actually your best clinicians actually naff at everything else and that I'm just encountering some people that are just great polymaths? I don't know, but I just want to know what your thoughts are, which is interesting. Thank you to Paula, who said all strategic conversations are for the benefit of patient care. So why clinical voice is important. Yes, I think that's a really good point is that if you can keep at the heart of what you're doing, the, the, the reminder always that it's all about trying to drive towards better patient care, both on an individual level and on a population level. Um, a lot of put up uh, Alistair's hashtag again, you know, public health level really is that how can you recognize, if you continue to recognize that whatever it is you're doing, just remember, and that's why the patient, you know, involving patients in these sorts of things and, and having patients lead on many of these projects is that, it's not just about tokenistically then thinking, let's get a patient in here. Let's get a, a patient's take on the matter. It's like, well, no, co-create something like you would a treatment plan done properly. You know, that's one of the things that's a good idea as well is that if you're doing true shared decision-making clinically, then it's equivalent in projects and in ops and in even marketing and stuff. Is that okay? you would co-create that together. You would you would recognize that this isn't something you just consult patients on. This is something you involve them in because it's for them. It's all for them. And you also can empathize then with patients. It's, like, it's, it's for you. You are a prospective patient. You're only ever a, a car crash or a sprained ankle away from being a patient, of course. And therefore, it's, and there's a taxpayer within the, within the health system and all sorts of stuff like that, whereby, of course, you want to extend your empathy as much as possible. But um, I am also aware that there's such a deep bias to me saying this because that's something that is, you know, my, my clinical background, I'm making a case for that being dead relevant. And so maybe maybe I'm deluding myself. Um, and there's definitely a sample error when I think about the people I've been in meetings with and stuff today. Is that you know I'm, I'm therefore not going to say not going to encounter someone who's the most brilliant person on that call was not today going to be an accountant because I've not been on the phone to any accounts, right? So I'm just recognizing that there's these really versatile clinicians that are also applying themselves into other areas of the industry, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're brilliant. I feel like I can see, I can see can see why you'd be good at treating someone with a sore back, you know, because the way that they're thinking, uh, which I think is good. Um, now, Joe Turner's uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, agreeing, it seems, or uh, another analogy. I said, like, wobbly foundations, and I started to struggle, didn't I, with that metaphor. So she said, finding our feet in the quicksand, which is nice, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it makes you makes you talented. Makes you light on your feet. Let's play on that analogy. So if you're in quicksand, you've got to be light on your feet, I imagine, and uh, and and your balance is going to be good, and you've got to stay upright, and all sorts of stuff we could extend. But that 
does. I just don't know. Some people maybe would think, and I can know think of some people that you know it's so context specific. Like they're really adaptable and versatile in a clinical instinct instance, but it doesn't transfer very well. Whereas the people I'm thinking about, I think um, it does does extend. It does extend beyond that. Um, she's then gone with surfing the wave. She's just reeling off uh, examples and metaphors. Now surfing, of course, is one that I. Look forward to getting back on the back on the waves this summer. Uh, certainly, analogy I can get behind, and um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a it's a it's a fair one. I'm just making, sorry, I'm just trying to filter through these these comments because I just want to bring Joe's up as if one. There we go. I totally believe that physios would be killing it in most other professions. This is what's interesting, and there's an upside to that because it's uh, you know I think uh, I'd agree with Joe on that. But then there's a downside in that if physio and in healthcare and we don't look after ourselves and each other, or that the industry doesn't find a way to justify its worth. You know, we talked about value and this interesting concept as it is that that transcends disciplines. You know, value gets talked about in finance but it also gets talked about in psychology it talks about in sociology there's something nebulous about when you feel valued is that what's that mean that doesn't necessarily mean it's got an obvious price tag to it like something might have a, be valuable it's, it's such an interesting thing is that if we don't find a way to make that happen then because i think joe's right means that i think we end up with an obvious flight into other professions if, if the access barriers for something else was was lifted or if companies and organizations that are even adjacent to healthcare started to recognize the versatile talents that say physios and other MSK therapists have arguably because of some of the reasons I've outlined in terms of sort of training disposition, the moment in time with our profession, I think we end up with a massive flight out of physio for the rewards that could be say financial, they could be for respect, they could be for work-life balance. If we if we still stick with a really antiquated care delivery model and we just think that we can then battery hen therapists into, right, here's, here's 23 and a half minutes that you've got to go and see a patient and the buzzer will go off when you exceed that time and, and then the will will wheel in the next, the next uh, patient and stuff like that people wearing, getting worn down and then recognizing that people in other industries and disciplines are able to then start to start to um, have more balanced work life stuff that's integrated and even the location, when can they work from home? How much are they trusted to do that? You know, um, how accountable are they insisted on being made for stuff like that? It's, it's like, that's where the world's going. Is it where, MSK is going to go. Uh, I hope so, um, and I certainly will keep making that case. But it's again, I'm sorry to be that guy, buzzkill it, because Joe's. I think Joe's right, and that's good news. But I also think that if we don't get a shit together, then um, we lose. We'll lose some talent uh, for the same reasons. Paul has followed up and said, "PDSA, a key process in process slash policy. Think in MSK, we are comfortable with. Let's try and see. Now, I think." In MSK, we kind of in contemporary practice, we are doing some of the good, good part of that, whereby you try something and see. But if that doesn't, then if you don't follow up and refine it, you know, if you, if you try something and see, and then don't act sharply and in a timely fashion with it, or sometimes I can understand why we might be guilty of this. Let's try and see, and it works a bit, and it's just like, well, let's not change what's working. I'm always saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm mocking myself there with that, but sometimes we then don't 
refine it a bit further. You know, we don't remember that that was just a bit of a trial or we'll pilot something. You know, when I worked with Paul, it's funny. I don't know if she remembers me saying this, but uh, we, had a, we had a point where we were being so innovative. We had more, uh, we had more pilots than physios. Um, and, uh, and it was um, no bad thing because we were innovating, but it was just that sometimes there is a risk and it didn't happen in that instance, but there is always a risk whereby you, you, you don't then consolidate the learning and adjust it because you end up bottling it. You think, well, it worked. And so I thought, let, let, let's double down on that on, on what happened and move on to the other things and do other things. You know, if something starts working, you don't then think, well, could it work better? Sometimes you don't always have that chance to. You think, well, no, it's moving in the right direction. Let's do the other things. There's other fires to fight, let's say. You know, if a fire is being put out, then it can then mean that you can move on to other things. Whereas actually you could think, well, in the process of being put out, it's being put out slowly, then let's reduce its damage. Let's put the fire out completely. Um, sometimes we don't double down on that, which I think is a shame. However, I think, again, I think MSK clinicians are well suited to doing that sometimes, whereby we will know the sequelae of, of getting someone 80% better. And then they stay at 80% better, and therefore they're 80% as active as they used to be. And that wasn't actually at a good baseline. So they were just about maybe doing nearly enough exercise, physical activity uh, and acting and, and using their body in interesting and uh, and somewhat semi-athletic ways that then keep them well. They then have an injury. We get them 80% better, and then they end up at this sort of subpar um, in terms of their uh, their activity levels, right? And so it's still a success, 80%. You know, here's some leaflets, self-manage. You'll get all the way there. Is that we know the consequences of when they come back in and they've they've kind of they've allowed themselves to not fully recover, or we've not set the parameters that help them do that then the consequences downstream of that are significant. Now, if we're thoughtful MSK clinicians and we're realizing that, then hopefully that makes us more thorough. And even if we're not the best people to do this, so I'm projecting a bit here, but it, you know, when, I, when there's things that I'm not a finisher, so it's like the, the polishing, I'm always basing the principle of like, uh, hopefully 80% of mine is, is good enough. And because, you know, that, that attention to detail, I have to get people around me that, that have got that detail focus. You know, if MSK land, you know, MSK land, it's, it's Felicity Thau famously, but certainly across the, our business group, then my wife, Charlotte, who um, is, is a phenomenon for stuff like that. The yin to my yang in, in life and in work is that detail, that, that, that finalizing, that's making sure, making sure we get as close to what could be perfect as possible. And that is something that we need to make sure we keep in mind. And I think, again, the clinical overlay for that is, is important. Um, sorry, latest from Paula is not just a plan and do, it's study and act to complete the process and then go again if needed. Couldn't have put it better myself, Paula. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Paula's had some exciting news recently. She announced that she's uh, leaving the service we worked on together and, and she was the reason I went and joined that, that team, a huge, important part of my career. And so for her to be moving on from, from that team, that she that service that she's worked on, developed, built, and, and is central to is, is such an exciting opportunity. And uh, Paula, if you're still listening, wish you so well. And I'm so excited for your next steps. So excited that we've still been able to work together on MSKR and no doubt other projects and stuff. So yeah, just amazing. What a, what an absolute scoop um, from the, the trust that she's then going to work on um, with, uh, which is just just amazing. So I'm, I'm over the moon for her. And I know I know how, uh, yeah, it amazes me just how, how hard that lady could and should go. Uh, so yeah, I hope you're still listening, mate. Now, this is unforgivable. I've got a message here from Talita saying, hello, just tuned in live. Talita, I'm wrapping up now. Would have loved your thoughts on this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, please, if you do get a chance to, have a, have a little listen back. I, I, you know, always always thoughtful points from, from Talita. Um, and I think that's the funny thing 
with private practice. So Talita works in private practice and um, there is a case that some of the best clinicians don't necessarily make good business leaders and, and stuff like that. Um, certainly I've, I've found that some are, some are, I have some weaknesses in that direction. But on the whole, I think there is something interesting about how a clinician will a, a, a clinician can can sometimes then be a really interesting entrepreneur. It means that sometimes the systems and, and the operating stuff means that we're sometimes busy being creative and don't necessarily consolidate. It's sometimes a problem that I've heard people say about business. But, um, but generally, yeah, for Talita and others that work in, more in private practice and, and uh, Joe, she's still working. Uh, so sorry, Joe's still listing perhaps, and, and we'll pick this up another day, is that does my theory sort of fall apart a little bit with regards to that sort of clini clinician business person in private practice because they're sort of famously sometimes at odds with each other? Or do you think that that is a, a good example of what I'm on about whereby people can be versatile? And I think that the entrepreneurial spirit is one that I've seen uh, across the piece in MSK therapies. And I think one of the reasons is that you've got You've not got hard and fast rules, guidelines to follow these days. And if you're a clinician that is following hard and fast rules, guidelines, and protocols, then I think you're full of shit clinically. I think, I think you've, you've missed the boat, really. I think that, yeah, you could do that, and therefore you could be someone that is then cookie-cut approaching everything. But I just don't think it, I don't think it works. Um, and I don't think that that will be, um, I don't think that will be sustainable. Um, so, I mean, this audience is, uh, who the hell am I talking to there? It's not uh, It's not for a second um, me saying that that would be uh, you lot. But I just think that that's a, a shame. And where the argument falls apart, if I was to say that all MSK clinicians then would be brilliant to everything else, it's like, no, I, I think that the, the, those that are, uh, what I think are in the right in terms of the evidence-informed clinical reasoning over recipes thing that I mentioned at the start, those, I just think they're so versatile. And also the, some of the students that are coming out that have had to go through this pandemic, and I mentioned this last week at one point on a show about the fact that they've had to think on their feet so much and some of them have come good. They feel like they've got gaps educationally and that's fine, we need to bridge them. But generally speaking, some of the resilience and robustness and adaptability, agility, uh, it's quite a cool thing that's about to enter our profession. So we need to harbor that harbor that talent. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate it. It's been a really fun show for me to do. I really wanted to get that off my chest. Thanks for joining in. I'm sorry I haven't been able to get to all the comments and questions. Uh, Alistair Beverly spamming the chat with hashtag therapy live and hashtag team public health. Keep an eye out for more of that, especially across uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, because I think it's going to get noisy. Uh, the program is out tomorrow in full. And so people are going to see side by side 10 streams of education. The competition is on uh, for which stream and which sessions everyone everyone attends and let's finish with this wonderful point here which is that physios are so much better than they believe i agree wholeheartedly for that of course with joe and also um really interested and excited to see uh, joe uh, from from for mehab and, and all of our partners we're announcing uh, very soon their involvement once again with therapy live and making a big song and dance in the next couple of weeks so tomorrow's the two week to go clacks and the program's out all of our sponsors are getting announced and you know you guys are in, in for such a treat with the program but also the elite sponsors that we've been able to work with you know we just have not gone out there to to you know create some sort of billboard marketplace type thing right it's just our favorite people who have our favorite projects and so you're going to be absolutely spoiled in the breaks and the, and the gaps. And, and, and if you take a breather, then you'll, you'll just end up fanning yourself on one of these virtual stands with some of the best thinkers who are providing some of these bespoke solutions that I'm talking about, uh, including you know, Joe, the school, 
uh, active body others it's just really cool so yeah i'm over the moon you can see i'm a, I'm, a, I'm having a i'm having a hell of a good day because it's such an exciting one i need to get myself onto whatever my next meeting is but again i hope that my clinical background helps me be better as it does you thanks a lot and i'll see you tomorrow